Airbnbs or short-term rentals have become very popular over the last few years. This week's guest is going to talk about why he chose to get into short-term rentals instead of long-term apartment rentals. Coming up next on the Student Money Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Student of Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goals of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 40. All right, guys, we've got a great guest on the show this week. We've got Noah Sprymont of Dubuque, Iowa. Noah is just 25, and he's already got nine rentals, most of which are short-term Airbnbs. So in a river town like Dubuque, it gets a lot of traffic and a lot of tourism during the summertime. And Noah decided that Airbnbs was going to be the fastest way for him to go full-time in real estate. So you're going to want to hear his story. So without further ado, let's get to it. Noah, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah. You know, I'm honored, obviously, to be on your show. Um, I, you know, get a ton of value from your show personally. Um, so, yeah, to be talking on it, that's that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Like I said, I've got an open invitation to everybody to come on my show because whether you have one property or no properties, uh, you know, you've got a story on why you want to get into real estate where you do, but you've got nine units, right? And you have some Airbnbs, short-term rentals, which I don't do. So for those of people that are listening, why don't you give me a little background, a little information on your story, okay? Um, so I'm a little out of the ordinary in terms of like most typical real estate investors where uh, my family that doesn't really invest in real estate or anything like that, um, you know? And really I kind of found my way into real estate just out of uh, frustration and due to um, not really liking where I was working and what I was doing and how I was being paid. And, um, you know, over time, you look under enough rocks, you kind of finally find, um, you know, something that you really like to do and what you feel like you uh, get rewarded for. And that's kind of how I landed on real estate. That's like maybe the simpler version. Um, out of high school, I did some construction because I wanted a higher paying job than the typical younger people. And, um, you know, that, that kind of led me to get into concrete construction. And from concrete construction, I ended up getting into like, you know, your standard um, house building, just, um, you know, all types of construction Um you know, after I did the concrete and then, um, you know, over time, I just kind of ended up where I'm at today. Um, I'm that, That's the simple version of it. Obviously, I could probably talk about that story for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, really, I was frustrated and I wanted to find something that was slightly higher paying while I was in high school and, uh, you know, got into construction. And then um, one thing kind of led to another. And um, yeah, here I am. <laughs> So how did you pick, so you live in Dubuque, Iowa, which is a river town. Uh, there's, there's a lot of tourists, things of that sort. And you got into the Airbnb space. Uh, how did you pick that? How did you pick Airbnb? So that's a great question. So, you know, back to my kind of trajectory, I, I was an insurance agent uh, at Allstate kind of right before I got 
you know, bought my first property and um, I was really not making a ton of money where I was at. You know, it was probably a standard average, you know, adult's wage or whatever for working 40 hours a week. Um, but I just, I wanted to find a faster way to, re, you know, replace my income really. And that's kind of what led me to the short-term rental model was um, I, in the beginning, it seemed like there was a higher chance I could probably get more cash flow per square foot. So I could likely replace my W-2 income with less real estate, uh, just work harder with that real estate. So that's what kind of landed me on the short-term rental space. It was just easier to, for me, it was easier to acquire cash flow faster um, in order to, uh, yeah, replace my W-2. Um, it was, uh, you know, back to obviously kind of how I got started. Um, it was kind of an abrupt shift. I really went from Allstate as an insurance agent and I, I pretty much quit and then went full-time into real estate. And it was, it was pretty cut and dry, you know, taking, jumping from ship to ship. And, you know, I had a little bit of savings or whatever, but, uh, for the most part, I really had to get creative and, uh, aggressive in terms of finding a way to replace my, you know, my adult income or my income. Yeah. I, I kind of did the same thing when I made the leap from an employer to starting my own, my first business is I call it the burn the boats mentality. It's like one day you've got a job with money coming in and the next day you don't have anything and your mortgage is still due and your bills are still due. And you're trying to figure out, wow, I've just now got to cover my salary. And how do I do that? And by burn the boats is, I mean, there's no going backwards. Right. Um, and be honest, my employer didn't appreciate the fact that I was starting my own business. So he wasn't going to take me back anyway. <laughs> but so I can totally imagine where one day you've got a job and you decide to go this different route and you're trying to figure out what can I do to create the most cash flow to replace my job. And so like when I get a, when I buy a single family house, I maybe pocket about $300 a month. So it's going to take like 10 houses, right, to get to that where you get like $3,000 a month to really get that figured out. And with the Airbnbs, there's more cash quicker, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, what landed me on it. I figured um, I started with a single family house and really I wanted, it was a single family home and there there was an exterior staircase that led up to the second floor. So you know, the gears kind of got turning into my head. Maybe I can turn this thing into a duplex or a multifamily property. And um, that's when I just started kind of dreaming of the short-term rental space. And it, you know, it, it all ended up coming together. And um, that was the first deal I did. And um, it worked really, really well, really. I um, uh, bought the property and renovated the lower floor and me and my girlfriend actually moved into it. And then while we lived in that floor, and still had our W-2s, um, I renovated the the second story, you know, built a new deck on it and everything, and then turned it into the short-term rental. And then as soon as we went live with that and it started producing, um, you know, like a little bit better than the long-term rentals is when I kind of realized that, um, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to get into it in this market. Um, I guess at the time when I was getting into it, there's a lot of skepticism and around the space you know i was going to the rei meetups like hey 
I'm going to do this. And everybody kind of gave me a goofy look like you're going to do that in that neighborhood. And I'm like, you know, I, I think it'll work. And, um, yeah, I just kept telling myself, I think it'll work and think, and it, it ended up working out really, really well. And, you know, since then we've expanded in the same neighborhoods and we've got more Airbnbs in the same, in the same area. And they all, they do really, really well. So you're 25. How many years you've been doing this now? Um, so we're probably coming up on about two years. Um, and yeah, no, um, yeah, we really went full fledged at first. I kind of had my W2 for about the first six months of, you know, trying to get it. So the first deal we did, I, you know, had the W2 and renovated the house during the night and stuff like that. And then after we got that one wrapped up, um, yeah, we kind of dove into another project and the project needed uh, a lot more of my time to be able to get it done in a timely manner. We took on some private money, so um, we had to get it done. In the, in the amount of time that we told, we, you know, our investors, we were going to pay them back. So that's actually, you know, when I decided to quit my job was, you know, kind of right when we got that second property um, under contract. And, Which, and that's, yeah, a little scary. Yeah. Um, a, a funny story. So I actually ended up, I quit my job before we closed. So um, the bank verified my employment, like, you know, the day before we closed or something like that. So before I, I quit you know i had a short talk with my boss i said the bank's probably gonna be calling you if you if you could tell them i still work here i'd really appreciate it and um sure enough like the day we closed my my old boss called me and he's like hey the bank called me and he kind of hesitated for a second and he's like you're good i told him you work here <laughs> <I'm> like, great <laughs> but you know yeah 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 well that's 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 good that they were cool with that and uh, be yeah. able to help you to get that. Yeah. To get that closed. So that's a great segue. You know, let's talk a little bit about financing on how you kind of finance this. So you, you took on an investor, some either a hard money lender or uh, you know, how are you making the switch? I get asked this quite a bit on the financing on, of course, how you get started. And as a young guy, maybe not having a lot of cash, it's a little different than somebody that's a little older and has maybe some cash stockpiled up or planning for it. So, but it sounds like you took on an investor. So, well, me and my girlfriend, um, we lived in a rental property that we had rented with five or six other people. And, you know, that's what really got the gears turning in terms of probably deal making. Like we kind of put that whole situation together where, you know, we got five of our friends together, rented this house and we're like, whoa, this is way cheap. We can rent a house with people together. At that time was when we decided let's start saving money to potentially buy a house and maybe do a similar situation. And really, um, you know, I, she deserves a lot of the credit. We teamed up together, started saving money together, my girlfriend and I, and, um, that was more or less how we were able to get into our first deal. We utilized the first time home buyer situation or owner occupied situation. And we got into the first house for three and a half percent down. Um, that combined with some creative offering, obviously, um, you know, if I have any advice for anybody that's trying to get in this space with uh, minimal capital, those creative offers, you know, really, really make a huge difference, you know, and in creative offers, I just mean asking for a credit back to kind of minimize the out-of-pocket expense um, that you have to have when you come to the closing table. When we closed on our first property, you know, we utilized all the bank uh, programs that they had. There's a little class I think you could take to get some closing credits taken off. I mean, 
we get made the creative offer, asked for the credit back, and then that combined with the three percent down. I mean, we closed on this property for like thirty two hundred bucks total. So like, and then we split that between me and her. So seventeen hundred dollars a person, and then we're off to the races. Um, we used our W two income to renovate that house over a year. We refinanced that house, pulled forty six thousand dollars back out, and then you know really after that. Um, we ended up buying another property, but, um, that's when I, I started to take on private money and then do another deal. So <clears throat> once we realized we could make money with stuff in a short amount of time is when we, you know, kind of went full fledged and, um, yeah, I kind of got off track, forgot where I was going with that, but <laughs> no, that's um, a, that's a great story. Uh, that's a great story. Uh, was that first deal on market or off market? Was that listed with a realtor or an agent? So it was on market. It was actually a wholesaler from like Davenport that had the property under contract. And um, he never actually came to Dubuque or looked at it or anything. <laughs> he did it all from Davenport. He got it under contract. The lady was behind on her taxes, I think. And he basically just took it, put it on the market. Um, he took the old listing pictures from like 2013 and uh you know copied and paste put it on the market and then it was pretty pretty arrogant wholesaler about the whole situation <laughs> he was just like you know we were the only ones into it i mean it sat on the market for a long 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 time and then yeah. you know i kind of kept circling back to it and finally you know he wasn't really into the wholesaler credit thing and i just kept bumping my offer up or whatever until he accepted the seller credit and it all ended up making sense. I think he, so this is always funny. Everybody says they hate wholesalers. He had it under contract for 85 grand. I ended up buying it from him for 115. And then I, you know, everybody, oh, you, you, you should have bought it for 85. It's like, what? I don't care. I put 20 grand into it and appraised for 190,000, you know? So <laughs> it's like, who cares if you just got to spend a little money, you know, and, and buy a deal from a wholesaler or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I see a lot within the last two months or basically since last fall as interest rates tick up. And there's a lot of people on the on social media and on the national level that are like, hey, can you find a deal? Can you get a 1% rent deal? Or And I'm just like, I can find them all day, every day. They're all over. Mm -hmm. There's The problem is not finding deals. There are lots of deals going on, just like you described every day that are out there for people the question is is are you looking are you exactly. act are you actively looking for deals because if you're actively looking for deals you're going to find them whatever you look for is what you'll find so if you are already checked out mentally and thinking that there are no deals to be had in today's economy you're already you're already missing opportunities. So sometimes you'll find them on market. Sometimes you'll find them off market. You found them through a wholesaler, you know. And the other thing I really like about you is you're really embedded in the local real estate investment club. Uh, so you know you're hanging around with like-minded individuals and and are probably learning quite a bit. And so tell me, go back to that on. So you've been doing this for two years. I'm assuming. Have you been doing the the uh, the clubs, the real estate clubs there in Dubuque for longer than that? Yeah, um, pretty much. It's right at the same time. So the more time I poured into the networking, you know, it all came back. So um, I got to give the credit to a friend of mine, Josh Josh Posiak's his name. He kind of was the one that introduced me to the 
the Dubuque REI group and, you know, a lot of those people that go there, he, I was an insurance agent at the time. And, you know, when you're an agent, you bug all your buddies and try to sell them insurance. So I was talking to Josh about, you know, selling him insurance and trying to get a quote out to him. And he's, you know, gives me his address and everything. And I look it up at the tax records and it shows that he owns it. And I'm like, well, you're my age, you know, we graduated together. You own that? Like, how do you own that property? I got to write you a policy that you own it, not a rental policy. Normally kids my age, I was writing them rental policies at the time. And um, so I, I kind of dug a little deeper on that and asked him, you know, how did you get into this stuff? And that, that's when, you know, he introduced me to the REI group. And, you know, ever, ever since then, I, I really almost started cutting off my old friends and replacing them with friends from that group. And, you know, a couple years later, kind of forcefully uh, make those relationships happen. And now, um, you know, I can say that my my friend circle is probably more that real estate group than it is the kids I went to high school with and stuff like that, which, um, you know, is what it is. It, yeah. I mean, it's just hanging around with like-minded individuals and being able to share stories like you're doing right now and uh, passing on that knowledge, because I'm telling you, you, the way you're talking and the things that you're doing are, is, you know what you're doing and you can tell just by your language, if you're confident, uh, you've been doing it for two years. You know that market, and and just the, how you did your first deal just says, you know, this is an experienced person that knows what he's doing. And, and the other thing too is you're being, like you said, you got you got to start thinking outside the box when you close some of these deals. Uh, we we talked about on Sunday how I don't like to buy things that are listed with real estate agents because my offer doesn't look a whole lot different than someone else's offer because you're going through this realtor and they're giving you that cookie cutter template on putting your offer together. And it's really hard because the seller is really just looking at price. Mm -hmm. And, and I always say you can talk about price or you can talk about terms. So what are we going to do here? You, because the, the, the seller isn't going to get it both price and terms, they might get price, but then I get to dictate the terms or uh, if they want to dictate terms, then, then we're going to dictate the price. So, you know, you have to be creative and especially early on or just about every deal because you make your money on the buy, just like you did. You bought a property that was undervalued, put in, you know, you injected equity, forced equity through sweat equity and increased the value and reappraised. You cashed out. Uh, so now I think your issue now is, is you're actively involved. And then how do you grow this business and move from the DIY, correct, up to more of a manager? And then how do you do this? And, you know, so that was the trap I fell into is I was so busy working in my business that I couldn't work on my business and I couldn't grow my business. So that was kind of the discussion we talked about on Sunday, right? Yeah. No, and it... The, the confidence hasn't always been there. And even still to this day, you know, there's uh, a lot of times where it's nowhere to be found. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you got to do what you, you got to do in those times to get through them or whatever. And then that's when the confidence comes later. Right. Um, yeah. No, for anybody that is obviously as young as I am and trying to do what I do, it's, it's hearing me talk today about what we did, you know, sounds like butterflies and rainbows, but honestly, when you're in it, it is rarely that 
And it is that sometimes, you know, when you do plan something out, do it and execute it the right way. But, you know, a lot of the times, and as you know, the deals, you know, go different ways, especially when you are inexperienced and um, you, there's things that you didn't account for and it pops up and you either A, have to um, get through it or B, sell the house for a loss or whatever and, you know, walk away. But um, yeah, for me, you know, for those first few deals, it was just, um, you know, if I ran into a situation where maybe I, I didn't plan properly, I plowed through it, you know, by just, it's probably a bad way to put it, but almost like psychopathically working through it, just one way or another, I'm going to get through this hurdle, whether it's, you know, plumb in a bathroom or put plumb in a kitchen or whatever it is, just, you know, how do I get through this? I don't have the cash to probably go pay for the right, you know, the right way to get it done, but how am I going to creatively, um, you know, clean somebody's truck for them to come over and, you know, help me, put a faucet in or something. So at the beginning, there was a ton of that, you know, a ton of um, just no clue what's going on and um, just trying just effort really and motivation. And um, yeah, yeah, a lot of hard days. And then over time, those hard days just slowly start to disappear. And the days, you know, those hard days become normal, I guess. And you get better at dealing with those things and um, your problems get bigger and you just get better at dealing with bigger problems. And, the better you get at dealing with those big problems, the more money you make, right? Yeah, yeah. A business owner and an entrepreneur's whole business is just solving problems and fixing problems. And, uh, you know, I totally relate with that is there's some days you just kind of work through something. And a lot of times I've said, you know, I'm doing work that I can't even hire out because nobody wants to do it. And or I don't, whatever it may be, if it's sometimes there's apartments that are just destroyed and you have to go in there and I got to do it myself because I can't even hire someone to do it because it's such a nasty job. But because I'm the owner, I'm vested and I, and I, I go in there and take care of business. And, and because it's my bottom line, I don't get to clock out at five o'clock every day. Like when the people that are employed in a job where they clock in, clock out, you know, that's kind of a luxury. So it's kind of trial by fire. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, learning how to swim by just jumping in. And like I said, you really, you truly are that burn the boats mentality where, you know, we're going to make this succeed hell or high water. And typically what will happen is, is you, you will succeed and you'll be a better person for it. Uh, as long as you don't, I always say, you know, make sure your failures don't sink you get in such a big deal that it's so over your head that it could potentially take down the entire portfolio of things that you've done. Uh, but that just comes with time and confidence and, and education. So, you know, uh, 15, 20 years later, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm more educated than I was, you know, 15 years ago. And so I can survive bigger deals just because I have that experience and, and you've already got, you know, your two years of experience and you continue to grow and, and, and develop and buy more properties. So, um, you know, it would take a lot, I would imagine. And if something, God forbid, was to happen, I think in another two years, you'd be right back in the same position. And, and, and that is another great thing about being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is if something was to happen and you were to lose everything in another two years, you'd be right back up on top again. Yeah, no, that, um, the best part about building your own business is really the things that you have to go through to build that make you a better person in every other, every other way, really. Um, 
when you have a hard day and, you know, you end up getting through it, the next time you have a hard day, it, you know, you can almost be like, this is normal. You know, there's, and it gets to the point where if things get bad, you know, I can almost just kind of giggle about it. Cause it's like, this is what it is. You know, <laughs> if I can't deal with this problem, then I, I shouldn't be here anyway. So, and then, um, you know, another thing that kind of has a lot to do with that is I, um, was subject to larger problems. So networking with bigger investors, um, you know, you get there, you get to hear about their problems maybe a little bit, and then you get to see them go through that. And to me, I mean, that was priceless, especially if you got a good mentor, a guy that can handle those problems really well and kind of get through them without getting emotional and without getting crazy. Um, you know, being able to see that example is probably the only way I can deal with the problems I deal with, you know, the way I deal with them now. Um, you know, I had a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Luke, he had a third story water line break. And I think he was in Florida and it like is a, a triplex with a commercial unit on the main floor. And that water line dumped like 13,000 gallons into that building. And it really pretty much destroyed the entire building, like in a bad way. And he, and I, I think about this example a lot because, you know, he told me about it and then laughed about it. And was like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm in Florida. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, an insurance company might pay for it or whatever. I'll have to deal with it. I just have to deal with it. It is what it is. Being yeah. mad about it is not going to make anything any better. And, um, you know, being able to see people go through situations like that, you know, I'll get a call or whatever. Or something's broken or this is going on. And, you know, for about one second, I'll maybe pout. But then I, you know, think of other investors and other guys and other bigger problems. And then I'm like, what the heck, you know, this is nothing, you know, this is just a little thing that if I can't get through, then I don't deserve it anyways. Right. Yeah. No, I always say, uh, if it's a flutter of fire, I'll be right there. And, uh, it's, I always worry about going out of town or who's, who's going to take over while I'm gone. And, uh, I've, I've had those issues. I've had, I've had the calls when I'm out on vacation where a unit's flooded something's going on. And uh, I basically told the, the person on the other end of the phone, I said, you got to take care of it because I'm not there. And it says, if I have to leave my vacation to come home to deal with the problem that you should be, that I'm entrusting you to take care of and you can't take care of it, then you're not the right person for the job is what I told him. But I kind of, I kind of chewed him out and said, you need to take care of this because I'm gone. I'm not coming back from my vacation. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and they took care of it and it wouldn't, maybe didn't take care of it the way I would have, but, but yeah, I dealt, I dealt with the mess when I came back. And, and and that's just part of the game. Again, you know, I don't have someone necessarily that I can hand these off to. And again, there's a lot of times where, you know, to call Surf Pro or someone to come out. And I just had an issue with one of my rental units where the ceiling, there was a water leak. And uh, they ended up calling a plumber like at nine o'clock at night. And they totally just opened up the ceiling and then the next morning, then they turn around and call the plumber, asked the tenant if they wanted, they knew, knew a guy like Surf Pro to come out and do water mediation. So they had, a they had a truck out there and they had tents up and they had fans going and they were trying to, I, and I, I got there the next morning and I'm like, okay, guys, uh, I appreciate your help, but you know, bye, I've got it from here. Take down your tents, take things, everything down. I said, I didn't call, you know, I, I got it fixed within like an hour and a half where I could just imagine what the bill was going to be 
to have a professional plumber come after hours at nine o'clock and then have surf pro there the next day and doing all their mold remediation and all their suits and all that. And I'm just like, you know, I can do this in like an hour. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just what you, it's what you have to do sometimes when you're first getting started. And uh, you know, again, that's, I think why people uh, maybe don't do real estate or they don't want to be actively involved. They just want to be the, the passive investor and not have to deal with all of the management because real estate is a, it's a people business and it's a management, right? So uh, you're actively managing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I manage everything myself now. But um, no, that's the sad part about it is people don't understand. They, they want to get it in, into it because of the money or whatever. And the money's great. But what people don't realize is all the other benefits that come from it. Um, are tremendous, you know, and, you know, dealing with problems like that, if you take it and you apply it to your personal life, whether it's the dog crapped on the floor and you got to pick it up or whatever it is, you know, it's, um, you know, kind of like the don't cry over spilt milk principle. It's just like, clean it up, get through it and um, get on with it. Back to the subcontractor situation. I got a lot of investor friends that, you know, that almost still cry over the spilt milk too. And it's like, you know, just go deal with it, get it done. And, um, Next thing you know, it'll be in the past and, um, you know, back to the kind of networking thing without all that networking, I wouldn't have been able to see, um, some people go through those things. And, uh, I don't think I would, you know, be as confident or stable as I am mentally with my problems. Um, if I wasn't able to see, you know, some of those larger investors go through those things. Yeah. 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 My, my first 400 unit apartment building, I'm, uh, uh, talking to the owner and uh, he's walking outside picking up garbage he's like bending over picking up cigarette butts and stuff and he's got a big garbage can full of cigarette butts and I'm like uh, hey don't you got somebody that you can like have somebody do that instead of you you got like a staff of seven people at this property and he's like yeah you would think so huh you would think out of seven employees that the owner shouldn't be out here like picking up cigarette butts but that's what we do and, uh, you know, they personal pride with their property and things of that sort. So, I mean, it, you, it's always like that regardless. And the fact that you have mentors and people that you follow and can maybe bounce ideas off of, do you, do you find that obviously uh, helps you with your stress? It lets you know that, you know, these got problems too. Um, it's not just me. And, uh, you know, it makes you a better person. Oh, it's so, priceless. It's priceless. It really, yeah, it really is. So, so yeah, I guess I'd just applaud you on doing that. And because I know, I know you're going to be successful because you're hanging out with the right people. Uh, like I said, if you, if something was to happen and you were to lose it all tomorrow, you would have it back in another two years, probably even faster because now you're more experienced and that experience is what counts. And, and of course now you're building equity. So you do have a somewhat of a mix, right? So they're not air, all Airbnbs. You do have some long-term rentals. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so they're long in, I don't know, we, the long-term rentals are just slightly easier, easier to acquire. And then when they're there and they make sense financially, um, you know, I kind of have a model or, you know, I, I just don't like to move them or whatever. So, um, yeah. You know, obviously I would probably personally like, you know, kind of to focus on the short-term rental space. Um, but at the same time, as soon as I start really liking the short-term rentals, all of a sudden the first of the month comes around and, you know, rent comes in and you almost forget about that <laughs> end of the deal, which is really nice, you know. Um, 
So I go, I really do. I go back and forth nonstop. You know, I'll have a bad day with the Airbnbs and want more long-term rentals, but then I'll have a, a bad day trying to lease up a unit or something like that. And I'll be like, dude, I'm just going to turn it into a short-term rental. Um, so yeah. And I always get the question, you know, which one do you recommend? And it's just like, you know, it, it's a silly question because it's like they supply their own benefits and minuses yeah. in their own different ways. And depending on your personal goals, you know, one could be better or you know, both could be better. Yeah, it's good to be focused, laser focused, but at the same time, you also want some diversity, diversification. So you're diversifying your income by two different areas. So you've got the long-term rentals and you have the short-term rentals. And if you're familiar with the tax laws, the short-term rentals under seven days are uh, short-term, they're earned income, whereas the long-term is passive income. So unless you're an active real estate investor, um, you know, they have different tax benefits as well and depreciation and things of that sort. So there really are kind of two different businesses, even though they're both considered real estate. Uh, but I think it's good. I have a mixed portfolio of single family houses, storage units, apartment buildings, and I like it because this is exactly it's, it's diver diversification within real estate. Uh, and then my niche and where I really laser focus is my market, the markets that I'm in. I really know those markets. So I try to focus on those markets and, and uh, stay in my lane from that standpoint. But then diversification on not only the number of units, but the type of units as well. So, you know, I think you're, as long as you stay within your, your niche there and, and, and do that, you're, you're perfectly fine on having a mixed portfolio. And it probably helps you. It helps you financially. It helps you when you go to the bank uh, that they be able to see that. Uh, and then you're just you're just building equity two different ways because you never know. You know, something like COVID hits again. The short-term Airbnbs may dry up, and whatever it may be. So I don't even tell me about that since I'm not in that Airbnb space. I mean, two years ago, you probably got started right in the middle of COVID. How how was that? It was surprisingly awesome. So um, just for reference. Um, if I, I, you know, I have a unit that was live, um, like January, uh, 2022, which obviously COVID was kind of over by then or whatever, but, um, we did a lot better last winter than we did this winter. And I think it had a lot to do with the whole traveling and the COVID thing that happened. Everybody thought people would do be, you know, clam up and kind of do the opposite of what they ended up doing, but people, you know, moved throughout for whatever reason. And, um, yeah, I mean, we went, when we went live, everybody was calling us silly, you know, it was probably in the middle of the, you know, mask time or whatever. And, um, yeah, it, it ended up doing really good. And we've actually, and I hate to say it this way, but we've probably kind of been slightly, uh, decreasing in performance probably since, um, you yeah, know, I probably jumped in really right at the peak of the STR space. It was just like blowing up for whatever reason. And um, yeah. I, I find peace in the fact that, you know, that was probably an inflated market. And for the guys like me that got into, um, you know, be in for a long time to really compete, um, it's going to be hard getting rid of us. You know, for the guys that got in to make a quick buck, and maybe spent a little bit too much money to acquire that property and the furniture and all that. And, you know, they spent a ton of money on management. They spent a ton of money on cleaning and they're not real sad, you know, savvy with um, everything. Those, those guys, I honestly foresee them probably, you know, getting out 
in the near future. Um, if things don't go back up in that, you know, straight up and down direction they were in, you know, right now I probably call it more of a stabilization period with the Airbnb space than, um, mm -hmm. what we've been in, what we've been in was probably just, you know, pretty, it was just weird growth that was propped up on from the, probably all that money that was printed. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I know 2020 and, uh, early 2021, I pretty much spent my summers on the water on the Mississippi and the campgrounds and the marinas were packed full because people couldn't go out and do things. So they were just going outside. They were going camping, they were going fishing, they were out on the river. Um, so that's that I would say that's probably has to do with some of that. Um, the other thing you mentioned too, which, uh, is you talked about how your Airbnb Reynolds are actually uh, much better shape than where you live now, right? They're, they're nicer. They're, that's just kind of, I mean, that's funny. I, I don't, it's uh, obviously I'm sure, um, you know, you're living within your means, but then when you're Reynolds, they're probably really nice. And I looked at some of them online and, and, uh, and had really, you had really good compliments and they're really good reviews. Uh, so I think one of these times I'll probably end up renting one. And, yeah, and, let me know. I'll give you a discount. <laughs> <laughs> checking out Dubuque because Dubuque's a, a great town um, along the Mississippi there. And uh, it's a great place to stay. So we're kind of getting down on our time here. We've got, uh, we're under two minutes. So um, any last thoughts, comments, and then how would we get a hold of you? Um, yeah. The only thing I have to say, if you're my age, or, you know, even older or whatever, but if you're young, like I am, and you, and you do want to get into the space, you, you do have what it takes, you know, you do like, you, you can do it. You just have to do it. The action is the most important thing. Um, you know, and while you'll be taking action, people will not be taking action. And that's, that's when you'll see yourself pull forward and, um, yeah, just take action. And then to get a hold of me, um, I'm on Instagram uh i think i'm noah spremont just my first name and then my last name um and then uh rue house too that's our short-term uh rental or kind of our long-term and short-term rental entity um yeah just rue house like r-o-o and then h-o-s-c um on instagram as well um you can connect with me on facebook my email is spremontno at gmail.com um you know, send me any questions, anything, any time about, you know, if you're curious about how we got started, because, you know, I'm totally transparent with everything. And um, yeah, I like to um, basically be the person that will peel back everything and show you everything just to show you that it's possible for you to be able to do it. Um, even if that means, yeah, any number, anything. Um, yeah, I'm an open book completely. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. And that's what I like about you, you know, I because I think transparency makes everybody feel comfortable and, and, uh, that's good. So, Hey, Noah, we're running out of time. So I want to thank you for being on the show today and giving your story. I think it's great. I think. It's All right, guys, what'd you think of our interview with Noah? I really love the fact that Noah is just 25 and he's already got nine Reynolds and that he likes to specialize in the Airbnb space. I really loved his story where he talks about he decided to get into Airbnbs because it was the quickest route for him to replace his income. So let me know what you thought about the interview. Another great guest this week. We've got another one set for next week. So make sure you stay tuned right here on The Student of Money. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer, and I'll see you next week.